Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from international TV drama executives Ellie Vervloet, from Flemish public broadcaster VRT, Brigitte Dittar of Germany's SWR, Suzanne Kunzella from Dutch network NPO and Belgian producer Helen Perky about the European Broadcasting Union's drama initiative and its first project, a series about a virus outbreak conceived before the present pandemic. The European Broadcasting Union's drama initiative launched earlier this year to encourage co-production between the continent's broadcasters and offer alternative solutions for European high-end drama without the need for global streamers. As part of Content London On Demand, the virtual version of C21's annual international TV conference, this year taking place online, Ellie Vervloet, international drama executive at Flemish public broadcaster VRT and coordinator of the initiative, spoke with Nico Franks about its aims and its first series, a drama conceived before the present pandemic about a virus outbreak. Arcadia comes from Belgian producer Helen Perky of Johnny DePony, who also joined the discussion, along with Bridget Dittar, drama exec at German broadcast partner SWR and Suzanne Kunzella, Head of Drama at fellow collaborator MPO in the Netherlands. We've got a great panel today uh, to sink our teeth into, featuring the great and the good of the European drama industry. Three representatives at national broadcasters in the European Broadcasting Union, the EBU, join us to explain what they are looking for in regard to their recently established drama initiative, uh, alongside a producer who is making one of their first projects. So Ellie, you've spearheaded this initiative at the EBU, which people may know more for the Eurovision Song Contest than European scripted drama, but yeah, that soon may be changing. So tell me a bit about the aims of the initiative. Well, um, we started this initiative because we felt there was a need uh, for European public broadcasters to collaborate more and better than we did in the past. Drama is, of course, a very important genre for everybody, global streamers and public service media. It's the genre to attract people to your video player and to address all your audiences. And you might know that for a public broadcaster, traditionally, it's a little bit more difficult to address young people. Well, they turn to social media, they go to global streamers, uh, and we try to find a way to attract and include those young audiences as well. At the same time, we see these global streamers entering our local markets and disrupting our local markets in a way because they come with big budgets and agile decision-taking. And of course, collaborating with global streamers, it comes with a cost. You know, it's very difficult to retain your rights in your own territory when you do work with global streamers. Um, it's much more uh, difficult to aim to, to claim the content. There is a, a difficult brand association. And last but not least, uh, if we collaborate with uh, streamers, we make it more difficult for other public service media to access our content. And that's why we decided to uh, set up this drama initiative. And it, it is a way to help members to uh, access, network and co-produce high-end drama. That is the main aim of the drama initiative. And we started with it, uh, let's say, two or three years ago. But this year, in 2020, we really wanted to accelerate the drama initiative and make it more concrete. And that's why we did uh, several things uh, amongst. One of the things was creating a real co-production network. And this is something we facilitate. We try to match, make, uh, let's say, a public service media around uh, drama concepts and uh, they get a kind of a first look when we have 
an interesting drama proposal within our uh, network. And it, we think it has international potential and we are looking for partners to co-develop, co-produce or even pre-buy the series. And then we launch this in the network and we give kind of a first look option to other public broadcasters. We also share knowledge because drama is a difficult genre when it comes to rights, to budgeting, to financing. So we also try to share our expertise amongst members and between members. And we also try to encourage regional collaboration like uh, the Nordic 12 uh, Initiative, for example, or the European Alliance. They inspire us to work together amongst public broadcasts. That's it in a very short way explained it. So it's all about this need for speed among the European public broadcasters. Yes, it is, because this is one of, well, some of our organizations tend to decide. It takes long sometimes to take decisions. And in fact, we created, when we say other public service media get a first look, it's an option for four weeks. So really, we encourage other public broadcasters to take a very quick look uh, at projects and to say, hey, I want to be part of it in one way or another. And then we can talk or the members can talk amongst themselves how this collaboration model could work. But they have to be fast. We have to speed up things. Otherwise, it's very difficult to compete with global streamers. And to what extent can the streamers still be involved? Because we have seen co-productions between public broadcasters and companies like Netflix in the past, shows like Dracula. Uh, of course, um, they are there. And uh, the drama initiative is not a declaration of war against those streamers. Uh, I think it's a way of coexisting within a market. And it also depends on the project. Uh, I think it's important to match the right partner to the right project. And some uh, sometimes you develop an idea that might be too edgy for other public service media or that doesn't fit their offer. And then I think if you can negotiate the rights you want and if you can negotiate the terms you, you want uh, as public broadcaster, I think it's still possible to do a sale afterwards to, for example, a global streamer like Netflix. For us, uh, we think it's important that we create this drama initiative as a first option and that people are aware that this network exists and that it might be better first to try to co-produce with other public broadcasters before running to Netflix, for example, or to Amazon. If there is already an existing collaboration with a global streamer, I think it's quite difficult to have an extra collaboration on a European level because all the rights are probably sold to the streamer. And for a public broadcaster, it's not longer, no longer enough to get the linear rights on a series. We all have players and we all want VOD rights to come together with, with the linear uh, rights. So if the non-linear rights are not available anymore, the project might not be interesting anymore for other public service media. Suzanne and Bridget, is that something that chimes with you, that feeling to, to speed things up and obviously the necessity of those on-demand rights as well? Yes, of course, because we've got a, a large on-demand platform in Holland and uh, that goes very well and goes, we are successful on it and we would like to have more uh, series and more drama series uh, on it uh, and we would really like to have the best uh, European shows uh, on our platform because that's a way that we can uh, be different from Netflix or other uh, companies. And uh, I, I really like uh, what uh, Ellie said about speeding things up because I think we're running out of time. This is the moment we really have to cooperate with each other and we have to be supportive to other public broadcast companies and help each other. So uh, I really like this initiative and I really like the way we are now working with uh, each other. Yes, I think too that nonlinear rights are the main rights uh, we are dealing with in the future and perhaps already 
now. Linear writes us sort of a, a window to show what we have in our mediatique, but um, nonlinear are the most important. And therefore, I think it's very, very important to cooperate, like Ali says, with other European broadcasters and not so much with international streamers because the take rights we uh, we can't use anymore. So I think the initiative is important one and also to speed up is the most important thing to do. And tell me a bit about how it works in terms of budget, because obviously one of the benefits of working with a streamer is the absolutely huge budgets that they can sometimes contribute to a show. So how are the public service broadcasters looking to compete there? Well, it is relative because, of course, global streamers pay a lot of money, but they take the rights worldwide. And if you are able to collaborate, and I think Arcadia, which is the project we will discuss soon, if you find two co-producers within Europe, uh, if you're with three of you, if you partner up, I think you can generate as much money as a global streamer would buy for uh, getting all the worldwide rights. I think these are similar budgets. So the advantage of working through the network is if you find two co-producers, let's say, and you can establish a couple of free buys, pre-sales, your uh, series get financed as well, but you still retain, you have the rights in your own territory, the rights we need for our public to address our audience, and you have the rest of the world. And you can still sell the rights if you're lucky, if you have a successful series, uh, you might uh, sell the rights worldwide and you get a return on investment. So in the end, I think the budget you can retain is higher than if you work with a global streamer. Of course, if you work with a global streamer, the money is there. It's sometimes easier to, to say, okay, let's. It's they call themselves a one-stop shop, and that's true in a way. But you ha- lose on the other side. You lose a lot of rights. So I think it's worthwhile working and investing in this network and working together and uh, have the same amount of budget and still retaining the rest of the world to sell when it comes to rights. I think when it comes to rights, it's also a question of holdback because you can't buy uh, many rights for little money. So we are co-producing with a streamer and this means for us that uh, we have a holdback of one year and we don't like it uh, because the series will be streamed already in Germany for a whole year and then after them we can uh, show it in our VOD. So it's much more interesting for us to co-produce with other European broadcasters because we can, in the same time when they put it in their VODs, we can put it in our in our. So we don't have any holdback. We don't have to share our market with another streamer. And this is the most important for us. Let's bring in the perspective of the producer here. So Helen, you're a Belgian producer, producing the kinds of shows that streamers like Netflix are really interested in, quite local shows, but quite edgy, quite dark. What's the advantage for you of partnering as part of the initiative for uh, Arcadia, the project that you're doing with the initiative. What's the advantage of doing that with the EBU as opposed to maybe working with one public broadcaster locally, but also Netflix or Amazon worldwide? Um, as Ellie pointed out, it's it's never something against streamers. It is a show that touches really the European values. So in a way, what Ellie says has always as a producer been my, my first argument to to collaborate with people is that the project fits those who are financing it. That I understand uh, that it is good to collaborate. And as you say about darkness, it is this... uh 
really something for a youth audience as well. So we try to make it entertaining and fast and interesting. But this being said, it also has a content-wise all the European values that uh, all the European countries have been so great in, and that is telling beautiful stories. So if I match well with the people involved, give me some arguments not to do it. If they put on the same amount of money, if I can keep rights in the sense that we, I mean, Germany has its rights and Holland has its rights and VRT, give me some good arguments not to do it. If I like the people, if they understand what we are looking for, and if in the end we are free to still sell it to anybody, I mean, that can be a streamer, of course. So it's more like a positive, it's really a positive choice. The only downside there indeed is, is the speed. So as Ellie said, speed is something, and especially with this content, because you cannot make it within three years, because then it will be, you know, but it, as it is a nearfi and as things are evolving so quickly, but speed is an issue. But this being said, we are trying to really speed things up and to really collaborate. And, and it is like, it is true that if, if Netflix or if Amazon, if they call us, they would want to have it immediately. That's just their mindset. But this being said, if you ask Brigitte and Susanna and Ellie, when can you deliver the show? They will also say, oh, you can give it like in six months. So there is not such a lot of difference. I think the only difference is that, of course, you speak with three people in this case instead of one party. And if I, if I may add something, I think why Arcadia is so interesting for public broadcasters to collaborate on, it's the social relevance and the theme of the series, which we will discuss in a minute. But I think that's important. If you, I think Helen was also convinced because it's true, we had a, an offer. There was a global platform who said, we want to co-produce immediately. And we said together, we should try this to bring this to the European public service media first, because this is such a social relevant story. This is a story we have to tell together. And if we have, we would have found nobody interested in the series from a European broadcaster's point of view, yes, then we would have made the series with a global streamer. But I would really like much more to do this particular project with Brigitte and uh, with Susanna and with, with these European broadcasters, since it's such a great story for us to tell. And like uh, Helen mentioned, it's also entertaining and yep. we are addressing a young audience with this series. And that's very important. This is a very young oriented series. And I believe for this series, uh, our collaboration brings it further. We had such nice talks in the beginning about what sort of series we would like to uh, make and, and what this series has to be has to be about. And I think we we made lovely and great steps, and uh, we are collaborating in a very nice way. And we are now talking about uh, the best Dutch people, the best Belgian people, the best of of our our uh, creative people to work on this project. And that makes this project become something very special. And tell me about the process then of how a project goes from development to actually being commissioned as part of the initiative. Um, so I believe there's an online pitching process. And so how does that work? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it works very easy. In fact, um, if uh, one of the members of broadcaster receives a drama proposal, uh, uh, which needs to, uh, international financing and which has your potential or and that's a difficult point of discussion because we like local shows as long as they address the European audience and they appeal to a broader audience we think it's great um, we don't want to make Euro pudding series that's really something we want to avoid so if we see uh, an international potential in that series then the broadcaster the producer and me prepare together an online pitching session and all the development material that is available we make it available on an EBU uh, webpage and uh, 
you need a login for the, to, uh, to access this information. So it's not open for everybody. And it's the producer and the leading broadcaster who decide which territories they want to invite to the local to the online pitch. It can be open to everybody, but it, it might be possible that they say, we think in particular this series might be interesting for the uh, public broadcaster coming from the Netherlands, from France, from Czech, TV, uh, Czech Republic. So you can address particular territories or even... Let's say if you already already have a co-producer in a c- country, you can carve out a territory as well. Let's say you already have a co-production with Arte, for example. Then, of course, you exclude France and Germany from, from that offer. And then there's an online pitch. And it's like you do a pitch. <laughs> it's very, uh, we do it within two weeks, very fast. Um, it's an online pitch of 30 minutes. And then we step out of the process as EBU because we don't want to be involved. It's not our task to negotiate on rights, etc. So it's up to to the leading broadcaster, producer, and interested parties to uh, to negotiate and to see whether they can make a deal. And of course, we, will, we would like to keep up, to be kept updated of the outcome, but um, it's up to them to to make this deal and to make it work. That's It's a very easy process. It's not very administrative. It's not very heavy. And, and of course, there are no costs involved in this stage, which I find interesting, because if you manage to set up a co-production or a pre-buy, um, very often a distribution Distributor is not involved yet. The money goes to the screen and not to a fee or costs you have to pay. And that's, I think, a big advantage as well. And is there an acceptance that if you were, for example, to bring in France Television onto the call, that then part of the production would be filmed in France or a French co-producer would come on board or a big piece of French talent would come on board? Or is the idea to actually go away from that? And because that kind of leans towards that potential for a Euro pudding. Yeah, well, I think Brigitte can tell a bit how she stepped in in, in Arcade, because this is a very interesting uh, vision, I find. But in general, it really depends on each country sees co-production maybe in a different way. And for some broadcasters, it is important to have characters or actors coming from that country to have a dedicated storyline for others. And then I would like to hand over to Brigitte. If, if they don't mind, it, they, are, they are looking for a strong story. And uh, it really depends, but maybe Brigitte Brigitte can add something to that. Um, yes, um, we are not so used in international co-production. For us, it's a very a new experience. We are used to international co-production in, in feature films, but not in series. First of all, because we didn't made, make series up to now, we have had a lot of procedural series and crime detective, but not a sort of series like Ellie was proposing to us. And uh, the international co-production was a field we didn't work in. ZDF worked in international co-productions but we didn't. So this was new for us and as Ellie said, the story was so gripping and so interesting that we and also WDR, another regional partner of ARD, uh, stepped in and um, we thought it's a world in, in the near future and it's a world that is so universal and so European that it wasn't, there was no need to have German actors because it's a, a world that could be also in Germany. And uh, we don't need German co-producer, but this is a sort of legislation in Germany. We can't do anything for this, but we don't need it. So I think for uh, Johnny DiPone, it was a, a good thing. And yes, we think that the whole story and the whole setting is a really great one and a really universal one. So we think it would be the best to do it in the way VRT would have done it alone in this setting and in this strength the story has already. Yeah, so Arcadia is super relevant at the moment. So it's set in the aftermath of a pandemic. 
but it was you were developing it before we even heard the words COVID-19. Is that right, Helen? Yes, that is absolutely right. And one of my few remarks on the concept to the writers or the authors was, does this really have to be about a virus? Because that's like so big and unrealistic because they indeed conceived it in 2018. And I was thinking like, can't we do something a little bit more realistic? You you kind of invent something. But of course, as uh, Philip de Schepper and Bas Adriaanson always do, it was based on research. So they thought this could happen. And then, of course, yeah, with COVID coming on, it's not a it's not a series on a virus. Let me explain that to you. It is really like the consequences of everything that, that follow that. But I wanted to have a remark on what Brigitte was saying. As an executive producer of Tabula Rasa, it is not abnormal that then ZDF asked me to um, have a German lead or a German influence. But what you have to bear in mind, and that is the importance of an independent producer, that is that the the authenticity of a show is really what the audience feels. And if you make mistakes on that, you lose your audience. If they do not believe it anymore, your series is lost. So what Susanna said is right. Tim Olihoek is a Dutch uh, director. We didn't know him. If we feel that he understands and that he's really an added value of a talent, then you collaborate. But you do not collaborate because you are forced to take this actor and this producer and this, I mean, authenticity is always key in your story. And how local is too local? Because when you hear the streamers talk about shows that are resonating with audiences, they do mention locality being really, really important. So a, um, a show, um, you know, made in Spain that feels very much like it was made in Spain, they've they've been seeing it translate to audiences, you know, in, in countries that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Is that a similar strategy that the EBU is going to be following in terms of not being afraid to, to focus on stories that feel very, very local? I think that it will be the members who shape the strategy on the content. Uh, it's not up to us, I think, to say this is the kind of stories we as EBU want to make. It's the members that come up with the stories. And it's a fiction bureau. Uh, Brigitte and I are part of the fiction bureau. We make the selection and we see this is a strong story and it can be very local, but it, it talks about values or it has a relevance that is interesting for other public uh, broadcasters to tell the story also, then we allow it in a network. But it's really not up to EBU to decide what would be the content strategy of drama. It really has to come from, from the members. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's important. And I think the, the fact that it has to be organic co-production and that story comes first is essential. And I'm, I'm sure that Begitta and Susanna will agree on that, uh, that, um, that it has to be the leading criterion to say this is the story we want to tell together. And we have the same vision on why we want to tell the story. And that is, at least for me, as important. If we agree on why we want to tell this story, I think we have made a very important step in the beginning. Because when it comes to script writing, you can you can give a lot of notes and you can give a lot of remarks. And the one party will say, yeah, I like it a little bit more like this and the other a little bit more like that. But if we want, if we are, we agree on what we want to tell and why we want to tell it, that is essential. You know, I'm living in a country uh, with a very, very strong federal structure. And uh, in Germany, sometimes it's difficult to make a co-production 
between a land from the north and another from the south because we dispute the location where it where it, it takes place. So an international market makes us more much more open minded, so that uh, <laughs> we we can even think about other locations from abroad. And I think this is a strange thing that the TV market has been very long for a very long time essentially national market and we didn't have any competitor from abroad now the streaming services make uh, us think in another way they they open the market and make it uh, international like the cinema market and this changes many many things so the internationalization of the market changes the content and five years ago it wouldn't be thinkable for us to make an international co-production because people are speaking another language, we have dubbing, we don't know the places. It was not thinkable. But since now everybody watches Amazon and Netflix where they don't know the, the places neither, we are much more open to make this co-productions and not only in other places, but also in, in other genres. The way we tell stories will change, is changing already. And uh, I think this is a, a very good evolution. And to what extent are you looking to work with new and underrepresented voices from diverse backgrounds on these projects? And to what extent do you feel like the members of the EBU are all on the same page about the importance of doing that? Well, EBU is, of course, a very big organization with a lot of members coming from all corners of Europe. I think we, as public service media, I think diversity and hearing different voices is something we all cherish. And of course, there are countries that are more progressive or more progressed in that than others. When it comes to Arcadia, for example, we very soon agreed we wanted to tell the story from a women's point of view. Uh, all the main characters are women, uh, young women. And uh, we thought it was important because you see, this is what you see in Europe when you look at climate protests now, of course, due to COVID-19. It has gone to the background a bit, but you see a lot of young women standing up these days when it comes to changing the world, when it comes to climate, uh, when it comes to politics, always young women who are in charge and in the lead. And that's what we wanted to represent in Arcadia as well, in a way. And what we also did is we also added a young female voice to the writer's room. We have a very young, talented writer in the writer's room, Zita. She wrote a wonderful book. Uh, she has a blog with her sister and she's very fresh and very new and we absolutely wanted to have her in a in a writer's room combined with senior writers who are much more experienced than she is but just to show the importance of having a young voice female voice and to show a story or to tell the story from the point of view of female characters in the lead uh, yes i think that diversity is a big theme uh, for us in ARD2 because we want to to reach audiences we didn't reach up to now and uh, um, so uh, Arcadia is one uh, example for uh, diversity. If, if we speak about women, we speak also about people from other countries. And this is a big theme for us. We will deal in the future and already now. And in the story itself, of course, what is one of the, as it is a nearby and it is a world that we created, we do not want to have any difference in the sense that as an audience, you will accept whoever that you see. We have not 
created any uh, uh, racism in that world. It is like whatever you see or whatever color that you see, we are one survivor people that you encounter. So that that is like a, a real possibility to show a lot of faces. And that is really what we want to do. And tell me about the role of distributors now in projects that come out of the initiative. So are you looking, Helen, for a distributor for Arcadia or does it render them almost unnecessary? Well, distributors do a good job in the sense that, of course, we cannot cover the whole world. Yeah, We don't, we don't have the entrance in all the countries, but we try to believe or we think that if we talk about Europe that have been wonderful storytellers all over, I mean, like ages, we have been from Europe, been telling stories that have been traveling the world. Now, distributors, we do need them to cover the whole world, unless you do with a streamer platform one deal, of course, which, which would be possible as well. But in my sense, having worked with distributors in the past, do not forget that, of course, they take a lot of risk because they invest in your show. But Susanna and Brigitte are taking the same risk now. They are doing exactly the same. And with a distributor now, you are also kind of squeezed in a marketing kind of perspective. At this point, I am not forced in a marketing perspective in the sense that I have to talk to Brigitte, Susanna, Ellie, Masha, I mean, wh whoever is reading and, and we are working and collaborating with, but they are not already thinking what does Italy like or what does France like. So I'm kind of focused on my story, bringing, uh, as Ellie said, female writers together with male writers and trying to make within a limited budget, because it's a big budget, but it's still a very limited tight budget to make a world that everybody believes as a near five. That is my focus. I can just work on the show and work on the budget and see when I'm going to shoot it because of COVID. And if we can make this work within the budget, and that is what we are aiming for and what we want to do, then of course, later on, a distributor might come in handy, but we will not have to pay this high of a distributor's fee because they do not have to take the risk of investing. And that makes a whole difference in the negotiating on the distributing. This being said, the distributors have done an incredible job and they still do. But I am not very convinced. I've seen a lot. I was in the jury of the Prix Europa. I've seen a lot of shows that have been uh, developed and I am a big, big, big fan of not being too much of a commercial mind as a producer or a commissioner. I don't think we have to go that way. The European shows have always been different to U.S. shows because they grew from the content to the show, from the story to the world. Whereas the U.S. sometimes tend to have all these algorithm inventions of what a show should be. Yeah, well, I would prefer we make a show and it really sucks, but we try it. Then we take all the ingredients that we have to do and then discover in the end that it sucks anyway. Okay. This is why we work together. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. But it's a hard game. Eh? It's, 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 a tough, it's a tough world and it's, it's difficult. I'm not saying it wouldn't be easier to have one phone call and say, okay, let's do it. But I'm just not that type of producer. If I have to think commercial and money before I think show and content, I think I would not be in the in a good job. I mean, the job wouldn't suit me. 
No, and that's why we we trust this project, Arcadia, because we are all in it for the content and we yeah. are all in it to make a good show. And uh, when we talk about it, we all feel the same thing. We would like to have good shows for our own platforms. And uh, that's where I'm looking for when I'm, when I'm co-producing. You are looking for the heart in the show, yeah. for authentic shows, for real shows, for real people with a, uh, with a heart for, for making beautiful, good shows. And who's taking the lead on Arcadia? Is it Ellie at VRT because you introduced the project to the other public broadcasters? In fact, well, I think the producer uh, is in the lead. Uh, the producer is in the center of the co-production. And in fact, we work on a very, with, with NPO, with the, the, the Dutch broadcaster, we are in fact uh, together in the lead, let's say, uh, on an equal basis. And uh, uh, Brigitte agreed, that since it is quite something to collaborate with three partners, that uh, when it comes to giving notes and to uh, the development process that uh, we together with the Dutch broadcaster do it in the first discussion and then uh, the producer shapes uh, the development and takes it to the next step and then Brigitte and Frank from WDR and FWR because they're with two broadcasters uh, from ARD they come in and they give their notes as well that's how it works now Uh, we will have to see if this is the right way and it's the first time so we're looking for a way to make it work and not to lose too many time and it's important for the producer and the writer's team to uh, not get uh, 100 different visions or notes and um, to end up with something that is a compromise between a lot of voices. So let's say we and the Dutch broadcaster put together our notes together and then we discuss it amongst our uh, amongst us and then we share our notes to the producer. They start rewriting it and then it goes to, to ARD for a second round of feedback and that's how we want to work. Also practical, sorry, because we have to translate. So for Holland, we do not have to translate. And Susanna has uh, appointed uh, Masha, who is a really uh, uh, great dramaturg as well. And so, I mean, thanks to Susanna, we got to know her. So they read Dutch. And then when when we have their notes and we can kind of adapt or we we kind of change whatever we feel is is really in a better direction, then it goes to translation. Because, of course, Brigitte Mm. cannot read the Dutch version. Yes. First of all, I think if there's a group of people, there has to be a lead. If everybody has the same voice, I think it it will would be uh, too confusing. And uh, the other thing is a question of translation and of language. We also make German-French co-productions and they're with Arte and Arte France. And there it's easier because uh, I'm reading French and so we are working directly together. But uh, in this case, I think it's a very practical and good way to do and it's also a question of trust uh, because um, we know each other and uh, I think we we can trust each other because we know we want to, to tell the same story. So it feels like there's a bit of a kind of Benelux cluster forming. Are you seeing clusters form elsewhere in Europe? So maybe Iberia and also where does the UK fit in all this? Because obviously it's an interesting time for the UK and its relationship with Europe. Obviously it is part of the EBU. So where does it fit in? Well, uh, we are in fact, uh, this week we are exploring, we will have five regional meetings coming up. Uh, We will be moderating for the EBU. So we have uh, defined clusters and in a way it's a theoretical approach because of course it's a people's business and it has to do with 
like Brigitte says, trust and getting to know people. So this is the first step we will try. This week we will do five regional meetings. It will be the North European cluster, the Mediterranean cluster, the Western and Mid-Sized countries. So we define five clusters to see and to talk about collaboration and to see whether there's an interest in working together and to see whether we can be inspired by other existing clusters like the European Alliance and Nordic 12. So that's what we are actually doing at this very moment. And uh, of course, BBC is a big partner in Europe and is also a very progressive partner in the European Broadcasting Union. And um, I know that they are talking all within the group of the big five, France, Italy, uh, Germany, uh, Spain, and then there's the UK. Those are the big five countries. And they are talking and see whether they can collaborate. For example, could it be an option to extend the European alliance with BBC or not? We will have a meeting with them in a couple of weeks with the Fiction Bureau also to talk with them. They are maybe in a bit more difficult position, I guess, since they have this the producers in the UK who are in the lead for setting up co-productions and finding financing partners. And that is very, in, in the UK, I, I have the feeling that it's really the producers who are in charge. And of course, this is a membership or these drama initiatives. It's together with the broadcasters. So I think for BBC, it's also looking for a way how to deal with this with their producers. Because um, if you can't convince the producers of this initiative, then it won't work. And if, of course, if the producers are in the lead and they say, well, um, how can we access this drama initiative directly? We haven't found an answer to that yet. Then it uh, might be a, an, an extra difficulty for uh, UK broadcasters to enter the drama initiative. But we are talking about that and we are finding ways to uh, engage them uh, in the drama initiative. I remember a very, very long time ago, we worked together with BBC and we knew the whole catalogue. We had pre-sales and we uh, bought the crime stories like Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple. And I remember that we also bought in a sort of pre-sale the first season of the British version of House of Cards. And we bought it for prime time. But um, in the 90s and later, uh, this this tradition finished and um, because because the markets grew more national. And um, now, since things are changing, I'm, I hope that we can engage once again with uh, the UK to co-produce and series or other uh, films or feature films or whatever. Yeah, and I do have the impression that UK is also opening up to us. So it's in two directions. I feel that they're really also interested in collaborating with uh, European broadcasters and producers and that there, there is more openness than there was, let's say, five years ago. So I think we are in uh, talking to each other, getting to know each other, because you, this is something that is important. It looks like a detail, but you have to create, really build a concrete network of drama people. And this was the first thing we did within the European Broadcasting Union to have contact lists that was reliable and up to date to get to address the right people within every organization. And then you can get, get to know each other and talk to each other. And uh, it takes time and that's a bit difficult now with corona and COVID-19 is that we can't meet in person because I miss coming to London for example and it's not only during the official program that's interesting but also when you take you take a drink together after a hard day of work and you can sit in the lobby and drink a glass of wine together and talk about collaborating very often things happen there as well so we really miss I think the physical contact and getting to know people talk to people face to face that's how we met 
with Susanna and it was talking to 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 you girls directly that you know these are the people we want to do something with. Yes, definitely miss networking and having a drink at the St Pancras Hotel. Just finally and more generally, the EBU is getting a new leader in Delphine Arnaud Kunchi uh, from France Television at the beginning of 2021. She's taking over from Tony Hall, uh, the former yeah. DG at the BBC. Would you say shepherding the public broadcasters through the pandemic is the key priority for her? And if so, how confident are you in the health of the European public broadcasting industry as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I think this will be the biggest challenge for 2021, of course. But I think we are convinced that international collaboration might be the answer also to solve a part of the, the problem. Um, and I know that uh, Delphine Ernot is somebody who really believes strongly in the strength of working together. Uh, so I'm quite convinced that she will be very supportive to the drama initiative and uh, I think if we are getting in trouble locally with getting our uh, productions financed and finished I think we could help each other even more and better to do so and next to that of course there are a lot of problems we are facing like with getting insurances etc and I know that EBU is helping also and playing a role in uh, collecting data and help uh, members to solve that kind of problems so yeah I think survival of the pandemic in 2021 getting the production up and running or finished is a big issue. And I think with her as a new president of the EBU, I think we have the right person on board to take it to the next step. Ellie Verfloet, Brigitte Dittar, Suzanne Kunzella and Helen Perky talking with Nico Franks. Remember, the video version of that discussion is available to view on our site right now to C21 Pro subscribers, where you'll find plenty more exclusive Content London on-demand sessions. There'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow, but that's all for today's episode. In the meantime, don't forget to stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.